Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Hello, and welcome back to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Chris. And I'm Dr. Lauren. We're still here at the the Whiteley Center in the San Juan Islands, where we are pondering our values around sexual, romantic, and platonic relationships. Um, And as a reminder, specifically, we're discussing the nine principles in Andy Nordgren's Relationship Anarchy Manifesto. And so the fourth principle we are introducing is heterosexism is rampant out there, but don't let fear lead you. And so Andy goes on to say, remember that there is a very powerful normative system in play that dictates what real love is and how people should live. Many will question you and the validity of your relationships when you don't follow these norms. Work with people you love to find escapes and tricks to counter the worst of the problematic norms. Find positive counterspells and don't let fear drive your relationships. Yeah. So like in all of these, I mean, this it's it's magical because this, you know, relationship anarchy manifesto is like both very brief um, because we're reading these these principles in their entirety. Oh, yeah. Like that, each episode. That's, that's it. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all you got. So there's so much in there. And so my first reactions were this is. Uh, the relationship escalator, mm. um, straight up, ha ha ha, um, in the sense of, um, so the relationship escalator um, was not coined by, but it was made most um, famous or uh, by a person named uh, Amy Garan. And so she's the one who says that she didn't coin the term yet. When I looked up on the internet for the origin, she um, gets all the credit. She gets all the credit. Yeah. So whoever did it out there, nice job. Um, the relationship escalator is really a term used to describe the sort of like very narrow script of relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's like where two and only two people will sort of meet and become attracted to each other and then move towards and very specifically move up, quote unquote, levels of intimacy um, and sharing lives together in a certain way until they get off the escalator, i.e. they die. <laughs> so you're basically on this one path. And if you think of an escalator, right, you're on it, it moves on its own. You can't really jump off of it. You're kind of stuck on this path until it reaches the top. Mm -hmm. And so the other thing is like, so it's this really tight script to be followed. And like, God forbid you go backwards on the escalator Mm -hmm. or God, like all these things. And so everyone's been a child scolded running down. Well, maybe not everyone, but yeah, I certainly remember being scolded for trying to run the wrong way down the escalator. What a metaphor. (laughs) Exactly. Right. It's it's, yeah, it's perfect. And like being a, whatever, a teenager and thinking you're all cool and stuff like I'm going to do like run down the up escalator and disrupt all the other shoppers or whatever. But yeah, so, so yeah, so that is speaking from the experience of my time in the Rockaway mall, but yeah. um, So yeah. So that was like sort of the first thing that came to mind is this is really addressing that idea of, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's like think about this relationship escalator that is, is so commonplace in the world and how can we start to sort of disrupt 
that's yeah. that's where that's no where. I love you invoking the the relationship escalator and it's funny because when I was first thinking about this the first question I, I wrote down was if I ask you what's the pinnacle most highly valued relationship you know what would what would you say and I think for most people they'd be like oh it's two people monogamous probably hetero although most likely people wouldn't necessarily say that yes but it would be the subtext um some kind of classic Femme lady and you know, dude who's doodly, but nice. <laughs> yes, right. Um, and that they've been married for years, they're sitting on a bench, holding hands, watching the sunset, and you know, but we also don't think they have sex anymore because elders aren't supposed to have sex, right? right. So, like there's lots of I'm lacing in lots of stuff as yeah. I use that description, but there are ways we fixate on these certain kinds of relationships. And again, there's so much that's baked into that. If you have to have been together forever, and that you know, you're gonna uh, have done these things that look a certain way and create a certain kind of dynamic, but it's really just the two of you. And yeah, you're going to have done all the things. Right. And so even if our like society is, I say it's with caution, but is like more accepting of, or at least more like there is a more growing awareness that not all couples are of quote unquote opposite gender, right? Like oh, this yeah. heterosexual it, thing. Yeah. Like there's still this the script that sort of followed, like that maybe one like the that queer people are supposed to follow in the sense of like oh yeah how many times are they like which who's the man in this relationship yeah. or who wears the pants in the family? Oh, I know it's gross, but right like yeah. there's these ideas that even if there's an acknowledgement that the family structure is a little different. It still has to follow this very prescriptive yeah. thing. Right. With the expectation that, you know, you're going to date, you're going to have sex. Right. So of course no one can be asexual in this scenario either. Right. That right. Sexuality is involved, that there's financial entanglements that yes. probably you're going to want children again, no matter whether you're queer, straight, doesn't matter those pressures are placed on just about everyone yeah and i mean you know the the thing that's so heartbreaking is like i think i've mentioned this in one of the other episodes but if we ask the question of what does a rich full life look like mm -hmm. it does not include only one relationship we would never say the richest fullest life only did one thing with one person and followed a fucking escalator right yeah not that we would necessarily be talking about an escalator <laughs> yeah right yeah but it would include so many experiences with lots of different people and lots of different loving ties and support where we can, you know, share resources and celebrate our joys and, you know, support each other in our woes and, you know, feel heal, healing life, giving relationships with lots of people. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. And the other piece too, that I think with this relationship escalator and then also um, Andy's uh, language around like questioning you and the validity of your relationships when they don't follow these norms is like I was saying before, like, heaven forbid you quote unquote go backwards on the escalator okay. in this idea that um, couples who maybe want to live apart for a while, they're like, oh, the relationship's doomed. Oh, it's doomed. It's just, there's only one way for this to end and that's in breakup. Or, or not even living, like living apart, just not sharing a damn bedroom. Like God yeah. forbid you sleep better alone. <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe Holy someone God. snores or flips around too much or you just like your privacy. But or I just- in a furnace or talks in their sleep. Or... Right, yeah. <laughs> and I um, I have this, th these former neighbors of mine, uh, they, they met- they fell in love. So there's a little bit of a, a script, the script here, but the, so they moved in together and then they moved away. 
But what happened was they moved away and then they had dinner with their next door neighbor and their next door neighbors were like, well, we're getting older. We're going to retire into this assisted living facility. And the it's it was two women. So one of the spouses said, what are you doing with your house? And they the, they were like, well, we're going to put it on the market. And they're like, we'll buy it. So these are two married humans who live next door to each other. I love that. Right. And they didn't go backwards. They're as solid as ever. Right. Yeah. Because they just have very different ways of living. One's an artist. One's got like the sort of minimalist um, aesthetic. Yeah. So they keep their houses the way they want to. They're right next door to each other. They still are very solidly married. I mean, it's, it's, so it's this great story of like, that's like they, so they did in a way back to the, the escalator rules, like they merged and then unmerged and then unmerged. And like, that's supposed to be like, <gasps> you know, Oh no, what does that mean? Right. It just meant that their relationship was so solid and they were so confident in it that they're like, yeah, we don't need to share or this we can space. grow more yeah. and have our agency and feel really good and strengthen our relationship by not fucking living together. Right. I mean, I think that's also a key piece yeah. of this is that sometimes again, that enmeshment or not being able to appreciate each other or codependence, like we can lose our agency. Yeah. And so you can then appreciate, appreciate each other more with that whole like absence, fondness, nonsense. Right. Yeah. Right. I also just feel compelled to be like, isn't that what Frida did? Like always lived apart, had separate dwellings. Those Anyway. Um, all Frida. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And so it's so funny, like artist and right. Two separate oh yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and then the other piece too, is like when people say like, they call, um, like when people date or do whatever or break, like, and then split, they um they call it like a failed relationship or something like that right oh, thank and, you for bringing that up right as and, opposed to recognizing like hey our relationship did the thing it was going to do and now we've either adjusted the nature of our relationship and we're still in ties yeah or we've recognized like this was great and we're to part ways yeah and so i'm exceedingly close with a, an ex of mine but not partnered in a romantic or sexual way. But I do consider them one of my very, very good friends and share there are certain pieces of my life that I will go to him first yeah. when, um, when something's happening. Right. And so like that, I wouldn't want that to go away. And I don't think our relationship was failed at all. And I really cherish the relationship I have with this person now. And so if anyone was like, Oh, that was a failed relationship or I'm sorry, it didn't work out. I'm like, didn't work out. It's, it's working out great. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like this is a wonder, like, this is fantastic. Like, look at this person that I have in my life that I can share these things that I can't share really with anybody else. Like, and how can you possibly call that failed? And right. like, but again, it's because people are saying, Oh, but because you started one way and are no longer that way now. And it was the best way, right. In yeah. the hierarchy of what do we value in our society? Yeah. And we went down, we ran down a few steps on the escalator or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. It's just like, like you jumped right off of it. Yeah. You're, right. You're swimming in the pool or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Little fountain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about and that's what I'm imagining now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you have, you're like, screw that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's, yeah. It's so I do think it's really sad when we talk about, right, a relationship failed. And even if you're no longer in contact with the person that you were in relationship with, yeah. did it fail? Did you learn something? Did you grow in certain ways? Did you support each other during a certain kind of time? So don't erase all of that. Right. If it was, if there were things that were valuable, we don't have to say it's a failure. It was it was not a failure. 
and you know, unless there are the, some relationships that maybe we would oh, go, sure. oh no, that thing was horrible. And yeah, right. Yep, yep, yep. Bye, 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 dumpster fire. Yes. Um, and perhaps even more serious than that. Yeah. Um, but barring that, we can like it would be so lovely if we didn't uh minimize, denigrate, like just because it doesn't look a particular way or last forever or whatever. Yeah. And so the other thing I wanted to bring up when you're talking about that tie with this person who you were in this long-term relationship with and shared so much beautiful life. But then it trans as a dating partner, as yeah. a romantic partner, and then it switches. I wonder, or maybe I'm going to just say, I think there's lots of people who would then be really threatened by that tie because, oh God, you used to sleep together. And right. How can you possibly just be friends? And this is something where the heteronormativity or heterosexism, these ideas that, oh, we can only have one kind of relationship that's intimate, particularly if we're talking across. Um, different gender lines mm -hmm. like oh there's only one way to relate and if you've ever related that way that is the only way to make sense of your tie and it's totally threatening and always threatening yeah to any new romantic tie or sexual tie yeah I hate that yeah like I have people in a relationship that ended and I so deeply miss that person and I have been told like oh because of the kind of dynamic they have with their new dating partner that they're uncomfortable with the two of us being friends and yeah. that absolutely breaks my heart yeah and I'm like that is such a huge like I grieve more the intimacy and the platonic tie with that person I'm like oh, whatever so we don't sleep together or like they don't do all the sweet romantic things for me anymore. like yes those were lovely mm -hmm. but the depth of the platonic tie is extra sacred yeah and yet that just got tossed to the side because the romantic and sexual part ended and that's okay. that feels really sad yeah yeah it is really sad and also I'm wondering because I know other friends from small towns, like, so there's only so many people that you can, like, just by law of numbers, <laughs> there's only so many people that you can choose. And if you stay in those small towns, like if they limited themselves <laughs> to like, oh, you can't talk to that person anymore because you like slept with them at one point or whatever, like no one could talk to each other anymore in the town. <laughs> So, and in the queer community, that's especially true because, like, there's only so much of us running around. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, right. So, that might be, um, right. That just might be a way where, like, the hetero, like, sexism and, like, the hetero yeah. lens is like, oh, well, that kind of relationship then is over, which means the whole relationship's over. Right. And if you're in limited community, yeah. you, you, you can't operate that way. You have to develop more. I want to say mature, it's a little judgy, but like more mature ways of like addressing, like, how are we going to be in relation now, as opposed to like, I can go over to this corner and won't ever go to these parties because you'll be at them or, yeah. Or we're in a big enough city, I'm just never going to encounter you again, you know, right? right? Like it's, you know, I, I really, I mean, I think these are the moments that we're able to see there are other ways of doing this, right? If we look at the queer community and how ties form, if we look at, and even the structures within relationships and I'm not saying everyone is immune to the escalator or everyone can handle these kinds of breakups and staying in community. But yeah, I think there are models that we could look to and be like, yeah, we've figured out how to work through some of this. And often it's rooted in communication, growing our capacity for trust, right? Like some other of the principles that we'll get into later. Mm -hmm. But I think we can look to those contexts and the small towns where people figure it out, right? Like we can look to some of these contexts for some lessons yeah, and for more confidence of saying, all right, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, and especially if someone is holding or pressuring us 
to behave in particular ways because they think it's the quote unquote right way. It's like, all right, there's yeah. other models. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like the idea of like, oh, can I do that in a relationship? Like, can I go on vacation without my like, you know, yes. primary partner or can we like have separate checking accounts? Can we do like the answer? Like, can we sleep in separate beds in the same household? The answer is yes. If the two of you communicate and feel good about that and like are mm -hmm. discussing it, right? Like there's yes. these things. So there are so many ways that probably I'm not, I was going to say each and every, but many, many relationships sort of defy the escalator in some, in larger ways and some in smaller ways, right? Like we don't merge checking accounts. We had a kid first and then maybe got married or we never got married. We bought a house together before we got married and we bought a house. Yeah. Like things like that. Like there's ways that people sort of disrupt in ways. So when you're looking at relationship anarchy, sometimes again, it's these small little chunks of ways that people have disrupted the norm that they may not even be cognizant of or think about it in the ways that they're sort of disrupting a norm yeah. that's been established. And I wonder if that would then create more like acceptance and appreciation and less resistance of like, oh yeah, there's all sorts of ways we can look back at the pressures we used to face and say, oh yeah, that was bullshit. Yeah. And I don't want to, I didn't want to be pressured by that. So I can, I can try to get a little more expansive, right. Mm -hmm. Is, is the hope. And, it, and it's hard, right? Like the ways these norms show up, it's not like it's just this, you know, unspoken pressure or something. It's people actually say things like, oh, when are you going to get married? Or, yeah. oh, you know, like I can tell a family member about someone who I'm enjoying. And it's always assumed that that's the only person I'm with and that that must be someone I'm thinking about getting serious with. Like, oh, yeah. and maybe I am thinking about getting serious, but I'm the only person around or the only relationship I care about. Yeah. And so I think there's, there's these ways these things get reinforced. And then we can also look at the policies of our society, right? It's like, oh yeah, you get a tax break if you're married, or it's the only way to get access to insurance. So it makes it really clear which relationships we think deserve more credit, more support, right? Versus, yeah. you know, I mean, some of us get really creative and marry people that we're not in love with, but to get access to their insurance and hold yeah. on to it, right? And there's all sorts of things that, again, that idea of people are disrupting these systems, but fundamentally we can see that that notion of the heteronormativity or heterosexism it is baked into society yeah and so given that it is we never want to act like approaching this and i think this is part of what this principle is all about is the idea that it's not easy yeah and that you know the importance of fortifying ourselves right like having the foundation of people you go to for support or you know looking back at the values you've documented the guide you've created for yourself the the vision and the imagining, like what you are dreaming up for yourself, mm -hmm. having that anchor to go back to, to feel good of like, it's okay. Like I'm okay. And I get to resist these things if I want. Um, mm -hmm. But like, it's not easy. And figuring out how to approach that, I think is, a, is an important yeah. part of the conversation. Yeah. And, and on the flip side of that is like trying to resist judgment when people do things quote unquote differently. So it's that idea as well. So in this, at the same way that you're opening, potentially opening yourself to like doing things differently, mm -hmm. it's also looking out in the world or looking in your, even your close circles, your family members, your, um, you know, friends, whatever, like who are not following that path and not, not thinking that that therefore it's wrong. Um, 
you know, or like thinking critically, like thinking critically about the escalator and then going, you know what though? I like the escalator, sure. but you, but you thought about it. Right. Sure, sure, like, sure. And it, and it is like the escalator is for me. Then you're like, you know, that's fine too, because you actually thought about what's important to you, what, what's important to your partner. Cause in this case it would be one. Right. Um, and then, and then going on that escalator together because you thought about it and it just be, and then also you're not better than another person just because you're on the escalator and somebody is choosing not to be. And I would almost contend then that it's actually not the escalator anymore, right? Like you're walking right. up the stairs maybe, right? Like right. So you're, yeah. you're intentionally making the moves as opposed to something moving you through it. That's and, true. Right. And like not to, yes. you, you know, can stop. Over, get into it, right. But you know, I mean, I think that just, it really is a shift to do it the way you're describing of someone. Right. She, again, choosing, turning toward, what are you turning yes. toward? And are you doing it thoughtfully or right. less thoughtfully? Yes. I think that the piece that I wanted to go back to in, um, I'm just like quickly looking at my notes. Yeah. Um, you know, I there's the conversation that feels important, uh, the second part of the, um, the principle, right? The description of it, where it's mm -hmm. work with people you love to find the escapes and tricks to counter the worst of the problematic norms find positive counterspells and don't let fear drive your relationships. And I think, you know, this idea of it is, it is painful to feel like you're being told you're defective or you're broken. And some people who choose not to ride the escalator in any number of ways, whether, you know, we can run through long lists of all the ways people don't go on the escalator, don't stay on it. And it, it hurts to be called you know, told you're doing it wrong or say, well, that makes you vulnerable. Don't you think they're going to like leave you if you do that? Or don't you think that relationship's going to break for whatever reason? Yeah. And so really trying to figure out, you know, how do we cope with that? And I think one piece that I really want to say is, you know, when someone's having a strong reaction because of the choices we're making in our own relationship, like that's their shit. Yeah. And as much as we can, I'm not saying this is easy, just letting them stew in their fucking shit and like put it over there, put it back on them and trying really hard as much as we can to continuously not take it on as our own and recognizing like they're experiencing cognitive dissonance, you know, and by that, I just mean like they believe you're supposed to do things in a particular way. They maybe don't even see the escalator. They have no idea that they're participating in this system of norms. Yeah. And now all of a sudden here's you coming along doing it differently. And they're like, what? I can do it differently. I didn't think of that. Yeah. And so rather than just seeing that as a gift and exciting, it's like, no, no, I must squash you into a box. Yeah. I must make you conform because I was made to conform. You know, again, not saying people are consciously recognizing that's what they're doing to you, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's, and it's, again, it's painful. It can hurt. It can create self-doubt. We all deserve better, but as much as we can hold those um, hold on to our values, hold on to our commitments and like keep coming back to them, even when someone's like, you know, dis yeah. disrupting our ability to stay true to ourselves. Yeah. And, and then sort of seeing that as if you notice you're doing it, like you're judging that whatever, that cousin that never got married or what, like whatever, or like, why is like that person over there spending so much time with X, Yeah, you know, like just like really questioning in yourself like why am I yeah why am I judging that yeah what is this actually about for me yeah why am I having these thoughts yeah I mean I think so gosh so often if you're looking over at someone else's lived experience and wanting to challenge it it's like unless that's actually making your world smaller like unless it's making you feel 
per, like it's personally harming or taking from you, it's like, oh, maybe just like chill. Yeah, right. Or you <laughs> see it that it's harming them, like, right? Like, so that's right. different too, yeah, right? Yeah. So if it's, there's an actual harm happening and you're noticing something out of that care and concern, but not out of like your quote unquote- Doing sort of, it wrong. Yeah. Again. Doing it wrong, doing it right. Like, what is that? <sighs> um, and why is, yeah. Why are you seeing something as wrong or or right? And I think, you know, we also get to say, and I'm, of course, in, in many ways, I feel like I'm speaking to the person who's like, I'd like to try a thing and I want to pursue this. And, you know, and I feel like that's also who the, the um, principles are written for. So that's yeah a lot of where my head is going of, um, you know, so th with those folks in mind, we also get to say to some people in our lives, like, this is not a thing you get to comment on. And not all of us will be able to say that to all the people in our lives. But if, if there is someone who is consist consistently making us feel bad about the choices we make and we're in integrity with ourselves and integrity with whoever else we're doing it with, like mm -hmm. we've talked, we're all good. Then deciding you want to hold a boundary with someone and saying, I don't want to hear it from you. And I'm also not going to share this part of my life with you unless you stop being disrespectful. And like, that's not mean. Yeah, that's protecting yourself, and anyone who's in our lives shouldn't should care yeah. that the way you're talking about this is actually hurting my feelings and and right. making me not feel safe. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think sometimes we can feel like we're we have to talk about our relationships or we have to tell people the things that are going on in our lives, and we actually don't. Like, yeah, that's a gift. Yeah, exactly. And so, right, not everyone needs to know everything about you, and that sense of privacy, again. Yeah cultural overlay, uh, Western, yeah. you know, that idea of, because, you know, we have usually space to have privacy. We have like the, it's level less of a collectivist culture, right? Like this thing, but like, yeah, holding your, like what pieces of somebody, um, of yourself deserve to be shared yeah. and what, who and deserves to hear it. That's a, I think that's a very Brene Brown sentiment as well. Like not everyone deserves to hear all the things about you. Like, yeah they have to earn that they have to earn your trust and they have to be, you know, accepting enough. And so the, yeah, the other thing too, is if someone is saying to you, I don't want to, you know, I don't feel safe telling you about that, or they're not going to say, use those words, but they're going to just either evade, like evade your question or do something like that. It's just like, well, you know, is there something you can do to create a nice, safer, open space for people to, to be who they are? It's like there's something happening there as well. I would totally guess those people are not listening to our podcast. But in the off chance, yeah, try not to be so much of a judgmental asshole. Right. <laughs> I mean, we, I think we could all slip into it, right? Like where we sort of see like, why am I caring about this, right? Yeah. Like, like what's happening? Like normally I'm okay with these things, but something here, right? And it's oftentimes it is like, again, the last piece of it, don't let fear, yeah. you know, guide you. So there's sometimes the fear when you're in a relationship or sometimes you judge another person because you're afraid yeah. of what's happening. Well, and I think also, I mean, geez, if we shift this and say, okay, well, let's imagine that we're in a relationship yeah. and you're off with that human, you have this great tie with, yeah. and I start feeling jealous. Yeah. Right. Well, there's nothing wrong with my jealousy. It's okay. Yeah. But what I need to do is figure out what is that about? Right. And so right. probably it's that I'm feeling insecure in our tie. I need a little, I need a little more conversation about like, okay, can we just like pause and chat about how we're spending time together? And can you tell me three things you like about me? Right. Like just to give me a little more security because mm -hmm. I'm, it's not that that other person is actually a threat to me. 
but it's that I am feeling insecure in our tie, perhaps, right? Yeah, right. And so, yeah. Right. Yeah, there's definitely that. Or, yeah. And then the other piece of fear that I'm thinking of, too, is like when people stay in a relationship because they're afraid of being alone. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've been there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's so common. It's just like, oh, what if there's no one else out there for me? Well, okay, in that capacity, you might not have the next insert this type of relationship lined up there out there waiting for you. And hopefully you have right back to not one, one person's never your whole world world. Like you have other supports, you have other pieces and yeah. So there's, yeah, there's all sorts of ways that, and you know, it's legit because emotions are scary and emotions are risky and relationships are risky. So it's okay to feel the fear, right? Like there's that, but like yes. the way that it's, you know, that it's phrased in the thing is like, you know, don't let fear drive your relationships. Don't let fear lead you. Mm -hmm. So of course there's going to be fear and uncertainty and things like that, but to have that be the main driver of why you're doing something, that's what I think it, Andy's um, sort of cautioning against. Absolutely. Like, don't let that be the reason you form a particular kind of relationship to say, well, it's too scary to do this other thing, right? If it's mm -hmm. if that's the only reason you're forming a particular kind of relationship, man, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Like we would hope that it's because it's yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> from a point of strength, not right. from a point of fear. fear. Right. Oh God, yeah. We shouldn't have to live live from those perspectives. Yeah. I think it feels the fear component is again, like you were saying, it's valid. It's okay. We are allowed to have those feelings and we want to encourage exploring it rather than letting it be the deciding factor. And sometimes we're not aware that we're moving with fear. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, this is the tricky stuff. And so again, the invitation is, you know, go back to the other episodes where it's reflect on your values. Think about the kind of loving life you want to build for yourself. What can you imagine? And are you creating that? If you're not, like imagine yourself, you know, 30 years, in, if it feels okay to think into the future, Yes. you know, try to imagine 30 years down the road, what kind of ties do you want to have experienced or do you want to grow? Are you on, are you taking steps to create that for yourself? Are mm -hmm. you opening your world in that way? And if not, you know, get, you know, give yourself some room to think about why that is and what you can do. Yeah. Again, gently with self-compassion, yes. no judgment. <laughs> and in tiny, tiny little increments. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. All right. Oh, the one last thing I wanted to say though. Oh, sure. Because we, I, I, and I don't know how you feel about this. Now that we're starting to rename some of these, I have feelings though about, I don't, I don't know if it's useful to use the word heterosexism. Right. Right. Like I, you know, obviously as a, and I was using, using heteronormativity, right. I threw that in there a couple of times and I use these terms when I teach mm -hmm. and I use these terms in my queer community because mm -hmm. it's a useful shorthand. Yes. And we have a shared understanding usually in these spaces. Yeah. And I wonder when we try to think about how we talk to in larger communities or if someone else is trying to share relationship anarchy with someone in their life. And now we've thrown in this word. I don't know. I don't know how well that works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a good solution. Like in the last time where we had ideas about how to fix, fake it till you make it right. Like we had these concrete reactions, but it, it is could just, it could be something more akin to um something about the relationship know. escalator i could see yeah or it's a bit but again that's sort of lingo right like if you say relationship escalator then yeah. you have to explain what that is kind of idea so it's it's more like challenge norms or like break boundaries and don't let 
fair lead you or yeah. something like that or you know like those kinds of ideas yeah something that invokes the norms without using too much lingo yeah and acknowledges the pressure right yeah because there is pressure oh my gosh for sure and there is fear right and both fear. those things are real mm -hmm. just like well and the fear is at every stage right like even if you're like from the moment we are socialized into these systems you're you're made to believe it's like scarcity like there's not enough humans you're never going to find quote unquote the one <laughs> yeah like, that's bananas pants there's eight, right. eight bajillion new people on this planet there are yeah so many opportunities to form connections yeah but we're made to think yeah again from these negative perspectives yeah anywho i, I will continue to ponder what we should how call we this one. Rename it. Like, if you have an idea out there yeah. of what would be some better lingo for the title for this principle yes. we'd love to hear it feel free to uh contact us at the letter b the number four the letter u swipe and you can do that at gmail facebook instagram whatever you prefer yes we look forward to your comments bye thanks for listening to before you swipe if you want to send us your thoughts on sexual romantic and or platonic relationships please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at beforeyouswipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats.